Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray that you're going to be blessed by hearing God's word. May you be filled with hope as you believe and trust in Jesus. Let's get into God's word. Galatians chapter 4 this morning. Galatians chapter 4. Doug thought I might start in chapter 5, but we're going to finish chapter 4. I'm going to read in verse 21, give you a little context, then we're going to take a little bit of a theme out of it, maybe a little bit of a minor theme, but something I think that is applicable and we can all grow in. Amen? You guys ready to hear God's word? Let's bear down, Holy Spirit. Open our ears, soften our hearts, take away distractions. Help us to focus on you in the next few minutes to hear what you would have to say to us. Amen. Before I read, just a quick idea. Paul is continuing the focus of his letter, which is that we are saved by faith, not through works. He has, I should say, intensely urge the Galatian church, which is a region with many churches, that works cannot produce salvation in any way. Early on in his ministry, first missionary journey, he went to these areas, these cities, he preached in Galatia, they came to know Jesus, he taught the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, some people came from Jerusalem who changed the message a little bit, but a lot, and said you would have to become Jewish and obey the laws on top of belief. This was an absolute no-no for Paul. He actually blames the devil in chapter 3, the one who bewitched them into legalism. Paul then goes back and proves this from the Old Testament, that you don't have to become Jewish, but by faith you are children of Abraham. Do we remember that? Yeah, we talked about receiving the promise of salvation by faith. Not only that, in the midst of chapter 3, but all God's promises are available to you by faith. Not how good you were this week, not how bad you were, but by believing and trusting that you are a child of God, you've confessed, repented, and you are his, the promises are yours. Amen? Come on, this is really big. So you don't have to run around this week and think you have to earn anything. It is accomplished in the work of Jesus Christ. We talked about the covenants and how we went back to how the covenant to Abraham was before the covenant to Moses. You're following scholars, Old Testament Abraham before Moses. And Abraham simply, he believed and it was accredited to him as righteous. All right, good group, good listening. So our belief like Abraham, we are righteous as we believe in the work of Jesus Christ. As Paul has gone into the Old Testament and tried to prove this, we've seen this, but at the end of chapter 4, before he gets into some 
more wide-ranged application of these truths, he goes back to another story about Abraham. So we'll start in verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, meaning to become Jewish, to be circumcised, to obey days and seasons and all those laws, he's talking to them. Tell me, if you desire them, do you not hear what the law actually says? For as it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one of a bondwoman, the other of a free woman. But he was of a bondwoman who was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You who are not in labor for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we brethren... As Isaac was our children of promise. Amen. Right? But as he who is born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Even so, it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir, heir excuse me, with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bond woman, but of the free. What is this all talking about? Abraham was promised a child. Remember that? I believe he was 75 years old. But Sarah was barren. It wasn't looking good. And it didn't look any better in the years to come. Finally, after many, many years, scholars believe 15 years, nothing was happening. And they decided to take matters into their own hands. Remember that? Well, here's Sarah said, here's my bond servant, my woman, Hagar, who they picked up, by the way, in Egypt when Abraham did a little fibbing. Remember that? That his wife was his sister out of fear. And one of the prizes when God saved him was female and male servants, one being Hagar. Should have left her in Egypt, right? But not beneficial. Funny how sin comes back to smack you in the butt. Right? And here, because of, I don't know what, it, what we would call it, lack of faith, impatience, God, where are you? They decide to do a work of the flesh instead of waiting for the promise of God. And Paul goes back and says, this is not a good thing. A work of the flesh is a work of the law, which does not produce, again, anything good in our lives except bondage. There is no fruit in our effort to produce God's work, only burnout, tired, depression. Where's everybody else complaining? Come on, you've been there, right? Whereas the child of promise, which would come many years later, actually Abraham was 100, so 25 years. Here comes Isaac, the child of promise, by faith. 
And by the way, he goes on then to mention, because years later, Ishmael, who is the product of the flesh, when he's older and Isaac's with him, I think they believe 13 Ishmael was, it says he was mocking Isaac in, in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, mocking him. And here Paul says, that's like the law mocking the spirit. You know how that happens? When the devil comes to accuse you, you're not good enough. What did you do today? You're not like so-and-so. You call yourself a Christian? Come on. Anyone experienced that? You, you had a bad day. You're not leaning on the forgiveness of God. You're turning to yourself. And it's all about you. And the devil comes and accuses us. You know what Paul says? Cast out that trash. Paraphrase. Cast out the bond. Woman is very strong words. And we know that's what happened in the Old Testament. Because Sarah says, get her out. Get her out. I don't. Now, in terms of old to new, what was Sarah thinking? We're taking the spiritual lesson from this. We're not deciding in the time what frame of mind she was in. We're looking at what Paul says to understand the law will always persecute the spirit and it destroys people's lives. We are children of the promise, miraculous work of Christ by faith. Amen? So he's hammering it from the Old Testament again. But as I began to think about this, I'm like, yeah, come on, Abraham. What were you thinking? Why didn't you, like, take that woman? What's wrong with you? Couldn't you trust God? And sometimes we look at scripture like that. Why would you ever sleep with someone else and take her? Well, he took her as your wife, and I don't know, was flicking me right or wrong. I don't know. But why would you do that? I can't believe you. Why didn't you just wait on God? What's your problem? Why couldn't you wait? Oh, yeah? Yeah, you better be careful. You ever been that? Our society has trouble waiting five minutes. Fifteen years. They're at the 15-year mark and nothing's happening. Has God ever promised you something and you feel it's true? And you've been praying? And it's true from Scripture? You don't see it? I don't know, maybe it's a relationship restored. It could be anything. Maybe it's a provision. Maybe, maybe, maybe you fill in the blank and you've been praying and praying and you're trusting God in year one and year five and year seven. And God, where are you? Okay, let's up the ante. Year 10, year 12. How many of you are still holding on? Year 13, year 14. Then you're 15, you're like, forget it. I got to do something about this. Where are you, God? I have to do something because this waiting is not working for me. How come you haven't changed my spouse? <laughs> Whatever, you want to fill in the blank, right? 15 years, we give up after five hours. I'll tell you right now, I've heard it said that we probably have one of the most gifted generations in regards to technology in regards to knowledge we're living but in regards to perseverance and waiting we're at the bottom of the list because if we don't get it we don't get it now we're done today. and you know what happens as christians we start to create these little ishmaels in our life and they just create controversy they create division i just thinking of things in my life 
and, and I'm sure you have those things, but yikes, waiting. And so many times I tempted and even stepped out in my fear that God wasn't going to answer and I took control. Uh-oh. We are, we are such, I don't, North America, I, you know, I really don't like when preachers say that, but let's just say uh, the Western more cultures who have more, we are so controlled. And we don't get our way. We have men trying to control things. We have women trying to control things. And I'll tell you one right, I'll tell you one right thing. Control turns people off in a hurry. And control, Gabe was laughing. I picked him up. He's like, I know what you're going to say, Dad. Because I've learned this, and I need to say it again. Control comes from fear. And if you're fearing something, and in the waiting that God's not going to answer, like Abraham and Sarah, you try to control the situation because you're anxious. And it might be a good thing you're anxious about, but you cannot take control. Baby's spitting at me. There, turn off. Goodbye. <laughs> Come on, you ever been there? Come on, let let. Uh, I we teach this for application. Someone made fun of me a couple of weeks. I said, "Look at me." Come on, slow. Is that better? What are you trying to control today? Because it's not helping. It's not helping. And you're about to have an issue. And it's only going to cause problems. We can trust God. So I wanted today just to give you three pointers in the waiting. Because we're all probably waiting for something. Maybe little or big. But let's just ask the Lord now. God, what is it in my life that I'm waiting for? Holy Spirit, just show people. Maybe they didn't come in thinking about this. Maybe they're doing a good job. Maybe they're a hard, a hard job. Holy Spirit, in this moment, show them a situation. Show me a situation in my life that you want to speak into that I'm waiting for. Amen. We drive to Florida almost every year. That's a long trip. All right. It even caused problems this year for me. Hunk of junk mains. But often when the kids were little, which was even worse because we didn't have those devices that people stare at, myself included, all the time. One time I actually put a 32-inch a TV in my van. My dad was not happy about that. He didn't think it was so safe, but... What do you hear one hour in? Are we almost there? I'm thinking 23 hours to go. Well, how are we almost there? I'm tired of waiting. And after five hours, are we almost there? Of course, I know. They don't know. They don't have the capacity to know the end. Okay? I do. I'm like, hold on. We're not even going to talk about how much is left. You don't even worry about that. Just watch the TV. No. <laughs> waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a destination. Three things 
here this morning, maybe you can jot them down if you're waiting for a promise of God in your life, as Abraham and Sarah were. We know God is faithful, right? Number one, put your eyes on God and not the destination. Put your eyes on God and not the destination. I really believe there's power in the waiting. Hello. We don't like it. But there's power in the waiting. And as we put our eyes on God, there's one thing we're going to find out. That God in his character is patient and long-suffering. You ever read <laughs> First Peter? He's patient and long-suffering because what is something we're waiting for is for Christ to come back. It says, no, God is patient and long-suffering that none should perish. You see, God's plan is different than our plan, and his timing is way different than our timing, but his character is that of patience and long-suffering to see the best possible outcome. You see, God lives outside of time even though he created time. He knows the whole parade. You might see one section. He knows the back, the front, the middle. And he knows what's best for you. He makes Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. All things beautiful in its time. Abraham and Sarah were waiting. But God's timing was absolutely perfect. He's never late nor early. And we can trust as we wait on him. And look at him. That we will become like him. As we wait. I can remember moving here from New Jersey, desiring to plant a church and doing nothing really about planting a church for the next first 18 months and saying, God, come on, where are you? God, come on, where are the people? You sent me here to plant the church. And even when we did plant it for the first five years, there might have been 10 people. Or let's say there are 20 and 11 were from my family. God, where are you? Where is this promise? You sent me here. Where is this work? You're putting me on the sidelines. Silver Lake, where I could minister to a bunch of mosquitoes and bugs. Well, no, the reality is God had to work in my heart. And as much as I was impatient, he was changing me for what he had called me to. And sometimes when we look at the destination, we don't realize the power of the journey. And I remember at one time reading my devotions and saying, where, what, this is so slow. By the way, last Sunday was 18 years in Canada, still pushing, believing, God, where, where is this? Yeah, praise God, you started the revival, but come on. Don't worry about that. But you've been there, haven't you? Forget about me. You put yourself in the story. Okay, God, you called, you said. But I want to let you know that eyes on God, he is patient, long-suffering, and he knows what's best for you, and he's making you like himself, and he's making things, everything beautiful, you in his time. Come on. If you're waiting, don't look at where you're going. Look at him, and he'll get you through. You're waiting for God to change your children. You're waiting for God to change your spouse. You're waiting for God to change your spirit siblings you're waiting for a different job you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting 
So if you think about that every day and you don't look at Jesus, it's going to be awful frustrating and you're going to be tempted to take control. But when I look at Christ and I'm in his love, I lose fear and then I lose control. Hello! That's a good... I, I hear people say this in the internet, but I got to say it again. That was good! Because God's word is good, not because I'm good, because his truth is right. Eyes on God. Number two. You say, well, what about waiting? What does that mean? Like I sit on the couch and eat potato chips, watch TV. No, I want to say this. Live in what you've been given as you wait. Eyes on God, but live in the promises. Or how do we want to describe it? Live in what you have been given and you know as truth as you wait. This is crucial because you think of everything you don't have. You're not thinking about what you do have. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about receiving these promises. And I made it very clear that you have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And you're waiting for this specific thing here on earth. But you don't realize, man, what God has given me. And then you operate in what God's given you, not focused on the destination, but the blessings in your life. And you walk in the spirit and you have a profound impact in the waiting. To those around you. You hear me? Okay, let me give you a little example. Waiting uh, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talking about his return gave them three parables. Remember the last one, sheep and goats. There's one about the virgins and the oil. The squeezed in the middle, there's the parable of the talent of the man who went to a far land, gave him the talent. Remember? He said, I'm going to come back and tell him, but then he did come back and he put them to the test. What are you doing? Five, two, and one. Well, what happened? Well, we know the one with five doubled the one with two, but he got to the one with one. But he was waiting, but he didn't use his talent. He was waiting for the man to return, but it says he was fearful. Then he was fearful that he would be brought to account. And the fear didn't bring him to do good things. The fear brought him to what? Buried. The talent. And how did the master treat that fellow? Not so positive. You see, waiting for God's return, you have been gifted with all spiritual blessings and gifts specifically for who you are by him. So use them and don't bury them out of fear. What are you waiting for this morning? What should we say? Get busy. Claim what is truly yours in Christ. Walk in the Spirit. And you will impact people. Listen to the Master. Be attuned to His voice and His word. And God will use you in amazing ways as you wait. It's not all about the destination. <laughs> Aren't you excited? What does God want to do in your life as you wait? A little story to show this. Five years before I did come to Canada, back, I knew I was called. I knew it was specific. I talked to it about it with Amy. I didn't know how I was going to get there. Five years. Now, that's not 15. 
But I still had to get up and do what I was doing every day in New Jersey. I was a teacher. And, and sometimes it wasn't my favorite activity, teaching kindergarten gym, thinking about how I could share the gospel in Canada, saying, pretend you're a fish, or a bird, or run around the gym. And I'm thinking to myself, God, what is this? I'm trapped, right? And I can remember, when are you going to send me? You've called me. When are you going to send me? I'm ready. This is your promise. And I know God was saying, no, you're not ready. We talked about that. But I remember one day, very clearly, God said, get busy with those kids. While you wait, you be the best athletic director, gym teacher you can be for this school. And that was a turning point for me. Instead of dreaming of when I would go, which never turned out the way you think it will, by the way. I know God called and God delivered and God was faithful. It wasn't what I thought it would be. But I knew right then and there that I had to turn the page, walk in the spirit with the gifts that God had given me to work with those students to be a positive impact for Jesus Christ in their life. And I'll tell you now, those five years, I look back very fondly at. Even though it seems like another life ago, what I see is the friendship. What I see was being able to speak into kids' lives at that moment, being able to love them, being able to speak God's word. And my influence grew as I took that on. And then all of a sudden, they put me in charge of chapels and speaking at chapels, which wasn't at the beginning. But as I stepped into what God had, not what I was dreaming of, God had, had a solution for that. But I stepped in, God increased the influence and used my gifts as I claimed his truth and his promises to work for him. And he took care of the rest. What is it? As you thought, I'm waiting for, I'm going to tell you, God wants you to claim what is true here and now to walk in what you've called to be, that you might have influence before that promise is realized. One, eyes on God. So put it to your situation. Don't look at it like eyes on God. Two, live in the promises you've been given while you wait for the answer of the promise that God's called you to. Finally, there's something that happens when we can wait. I don't probably, maybe Sarah, maybe Abraham, waiting for this specific promise. God was going to work through it. Man, we can complain. Is that just me? Man, we can complain. I want to tell you something. And this is something I've said before. And I'll say it again. We need to rejoice in the fact, as we're looking at God, we need to have faith that he is working, even though we don't see it, to bring forth the promise in our lives. We have a choice to make every single day. Am I going to believe God in what he says and rejoice in it? Or am I going to complain and say, are we almost there, Dad? Where do you fall in? I know I've fallen pretty 
badly. And God has been gracious and good to me. Second Chronicles 20 tells the story of Jehoshaphat, and I'm sure you know it. Huge number against that king, and they pray, they prayed, and they sought the Lord. And a word came from a prophet that God would bring victory, even though they hadn't fought the battle. Jehoshaphat, in his faith and belief, started worshiping. And as they went into the battle the next day, sent the worship team first, proclaiming the victory of God. Because he had heard the prophet, he had heard the prophet, and even though he didn't see it, he believed it, and he rejoiced that God was going to do it. Or yeah, this is all about application, folks. Right? You don't see it. You don't see it today. I don't see God, your promises. I don't see your word coming. Oh, I believe by faith salvation. But what about the reality, the little things in life? And I don't, I don't it's not happening. You got to rejoice. You got to praise. You got to thank God. Because my eyes are on him and I see who he is and I see his goodness and I know he's working and I know he's spoken and I know his promises are real and I've claimed them. And I believe them. And those things I don't see, I'm going to trust and say, yes, God. I'll tell you what this Thanksgiving does. It creates a massive expectancy. And then you begin to live on supernatural strength. That's Isaiah 40. Right? Wait on the Lord. You ever heard that one? I know you're tired, he says. Wait on the Lord. Hope, believing. Yeah, God, your word said that his return. It's so bad. It's so bad. What are we going to do? Stop. No, God said he's coming back. He's going to be victorious and he's going to work everything out. And I'm going to believe and trust him. And instead of complaining about the way the world is and how dark it is and blah, 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 it's this, it's that. They're going crazy. The woke this, woke that, blah, 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 whatever your politics are. Cut that out. Get your eyes on Jesus and say, he's going to work and he's going to come back and he's going to straighten it out. And I've got work to do while I wait for his glory. Amen. So you take that generally, you take that specifically to what it is. What are you waiting for? Waiting for a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse someday, young people. I don't know what's my career, older people trying to straighten out your family, uh, work, uh, whatever provision. Come on. You see it. You see the application. Now we got to step into it. I heard an old story. Preacher. One of my favorites. Chuck Smith, he said he was working away. He had a job. You know, it's funny. You watch Jesus Revolution and you think, oh, that guy just, you know, he had that church and God straightened him out. I'm telling you, back then he was working like two jobs. It wasn't just the way they portrayed it at he was in a grocery store. I remember hearing this story. But they they let him go because he didn't want to go into management because he thought he was called to the Lord. And he had bills to pay. And the pressure was mounting. And it wasn't like because he didn't want to work hard. It was like, I'm called by the Lord to do this. I can't go in management. That's a career decision. But I've been called. So what do I do? Because now there's no money. But God has showed in his promises, he'll take care of me and it's hard. 
And he said he was praying one night and he heard very clearly in the middle of the night, God saying, I will provide for you. Okay, great. Thanks, Lord. You ever heard that? God reassure you of the promise, but you have no reaction. What happened the next morning? He says he got a phone call. Someone from another state. Hey, God, Chuck, God put, God put you on my mind and I want to send you a check. And it was the exact amount he needed. And he picked up his wife. He said, I picked up Kay and I danced with her in the kitchen. And I said, thank you, Lord. God, you're so good. And in that moment, he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why didn't you dance with Kay last night? Why didn't you trust when I said? And I spoke to you through my word and through my Holy Spirit. Why didn't you rejoice? And how true that is of me. How many times have I whirled around with the answer? Oh God, it's here. I have the paper. God, you did your work. But yet in the waiting, I was miserable. I possibly lived and had Ishmael's in control and sin. And God doesn't want that for you because he wants to use you in the waiting. Hello. Yeah. This is for us this God's word is always for us. So there's a joy when you, when you speak and you feel the Holy Spirit grabbing people. What do you wait for? Put your eyes on Jesus. Live in the gifts you have. Don't be barking about what you don't have. Understand what you do have and that God is so amazing. And finally, rejoice in his truth, his promise. Because he is good and he is working. Amen? All right. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Your word is real. And, you know, we see Abraham and Sarah's faith. I just love it in Hebrews that they are in the hall of faith. And you don't even see their mistakes. You only proclaim what they did right, God. And because of Jesus this morning, no matter what's happened in the past, your grace, as we trust in you, covers all our fear, control, all our Ishmaels, and we are forgiven. But we want to move forward trusting in you. And we know we're saved by putting our faith in you. And we want to believe we've received the promises and the things we're waiting for, the real life situations. We want to trust God as we wait. And we see who you are. And we rejoice this morning. So whoever needs encouragement this morning, would you bring it? Whoever needs comfort this morning, would you bring it? And would you work patience in us, Lord? May we become like you. May you work a deep faith that is long-suffering, knowing that you're going to make everything beautiful in your time. The specific person here today, it's hard. I don't want you to say, tell you that this is easy. But I pray that this journey will be so powerful in your life. That you will grow as you will. 
this morning, if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe somehow you ended up here. I want to be faithful to proclaim the gospel each and every year. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was God. He came to this earth. And all the burden and the challenges you're living with, trying to solve them on your own, all the sin, he says, believe, trust in me. He came and died for that junk. And as you believe and trust in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he came and died and rose again. God's word says, you will be saved. The Holy Spirit will come live in you and you will not be alone, but you will have the promise of eternity. You will have the promise of God with you. If you're feeling alone and broken and shameful and burdened, God has the solution in Jesus. Turn to I don't think it's raising their hand or standing up or coming forward it's a it's an act of faith in your heart we pray that you will confess with your mouth a friend or somebody but would you know that god is good and he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die and he desires to give you eternal life as you do So good. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. The elements are in the back. We do this every week at Northgate, the body and the blood, to remind us that our salvation is from the work of Christ. Your part is to believe and to trust in that. The worship team is going to sing. The elements are in the back. You can retrieve them. But I want to encourage you as well. Maybe you're waiting for something and you need just a little encouragement and prayer. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. There's nothing embarrassing in that. That's actually how the body works. And so as you get the elements and, and you need prayer for anything, maybe you committed your life to the Lord. Maybe you need help in the waiting. Maybe there's something physical that you would like us to pray for healing for you in. Word of God says, come to the elders. They'd love to pray for you. And we'd love to do that. Let's enjoy Jesus. Let's give him praise. Let's rejoice in the work of salvation. And let's rejoice in the truth that he is still working. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this message this morning. If you'd like more information about Northgate, you can find us on the internet at northgateministry.com. We'd love to hear from you and have a great week.